listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, where our fantasies don't involve gods and giants. This is episode well, 500. <laughs> this is episode 537. My name is Dave, and the other guy over there is uh, my co-host Wayne. And we're going to conclude our look at the Netflix Norwegian fantasy series Ragnarok. Uh, well, okay, we are PG rated most of the time, so uh, you know. <laughs> We'll, we'll leave it at that. But uh, anyway, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. Yeah. yeah. Always a little bit, you know, going back to work after uh, after break is always a little, everyone's a little sluggish, but uh, so it's all right. We're all good. Yeah. And I think in the States, I mean, obviously Christmas is still the biggest holiday, but, but Thanksgiving, it, at least my experience has been, there's so much less pressure. You're not buying gifts for people, right. and and you know it's just like you get together, you have great food, and there are three football games on. So I'm not <laughs> sure what else you need, but yeah, I think that's about it. So yeah, I, you know, I had uh, three Europeans over my house, two uh, young women from the Netherlands, and another one from Belgium because they play field hockey with my daughter, and obviously they couldn't really go home for Thanksgiving break. Um, as it's not even a thing in Europe. So they came to my house. And so I was under a lot of pressure to really, you know, bring Thanksgiving home to them and show them how awesome it is. And I, I dare say I succeeded, Dave. I, I feel like I did. Well, and I noticed you dressed up for, you know, Thanksgiving. Yeah. Cause I, that picture was all the pictures later. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. Way to go, Joe. Thanks for putting me the picture of me in my jammy pants on so. Facebook. <laughs> All right. I want to remind you guys, we typically record on Mondays, so any feedback's got to be in by Sunday, 6 p.m. Eastern time, and audio feedback has a strict six-minute limit. Fred, you owe us four seconds. Nah, just kidding, Fred. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, get to a little bit of housekeeping because you know next week we said we're going to take a look at the Marvel Universe film Thor Ragnarok. So this is the 2017 film, right? Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. I mean, there's, it's called, there's no other, it's just Thor Ragnarok. So it, okay. I don't know any all other right. so movies I, with that title. All right. So I tracked that down and we're going to look at that before we look at the narratively complex series bodies. And, you know, we've mentioned the last couple of weeks here and on the Facebook group that our spoiler approach is going to be a little different in, in, in that we've seen the whole series which often happens, and, and sometimes we just pretend we haven't seen the whole series, and sometimes we're just, you know, making a concerted effort to be spoiler-free. And sometimes we literally do forget what happened, so. Yeah, we, we absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, you know, is this a one-off where we are going to spoil right from the start? Who knows? Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, I think, generally speaking, we'll, we'll probably – fall back into the way we've done things right. but because when you when you when you go spoiler free you can make predictions right um yeah because we can't and sound like a know, genius yeah right um but uh if you you know like obviously that we're, we're not gonna be making any kind of predictions because I mean, we totally saw the whole thing we know what happened so and we're doing spoiler if spoiler if spoiler ish uh, right and you know for it. with some shows we know we're going to do it and even though it drops all at once on netflix or it's already on another network uh, or a streaming service uh, you know we don't necessarily go ahead we just stick with watching one episode a week but but for both of us and it sounds like fred as well when bodies came out uh, you, you and i hadn't talked about doing it we didn't really know it was a show we wanted to do so right. by, by and that so we time finished it right and that was like yeah so anyway um what i'm watching this week netflix spanish series called holy family and it has nothing to do with religion uh other than the one character who's like you know he's like uh saying his Hail Marys and crossing himself as he orders somebody to be uh, buried in the local landfill mm. like Tony Soprano. But it follows a mother, a brother-sister uh, twin pairing, and a baby who have just moved to this upscale community 
and we're thrown into this group of mothers who get together to commiserate about, you know, having young children, you know, of various ages. But we soon learn glorious families hiding some dark shit. And one of the things you don't have to worry about incest because, I mean, at the beginning, it's like, Wait, oh, should I be worried about be... incest? No. Well, ordinarily, I mean, you never know. But <laughs> you never know it's going to creep up on you. You know, you just. Sitting there at your and, desk, all of a sudden, incest jumps all over you. Right. So, so that's not the deal. They're, they're stories told in a nonlinear fashion. Really compelling. You know, a, a, after the first episode, I said to Mary, I said, God, this feels like David Lynch might have written Ooh, this show. Oh, that's high praise. But the, yeah, but then it kind of got away from, you know, the, the David Lynch oh, okay. vibe, uh, but but not in a negative way. So, you know, if, if you're into mystery thrillers, uh, you can read subtitles, uh, check out the Spanish series Holy Family on Netflix. Two seasons, I believe eight episodes each. It, All right, that's me. It, it amuses me that you still have not watched Money Heist. Well, you know what? I, oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that because one of the actresses in this show is one of the big characters yeah. in Money Heist. Okay. And I do have Money Heist. Actually, it's written down here from last week. Uh, I forget her name in Money Heist. It seemed like it was an unusual they, name. They all had names of cities. Okay. Um, so, and the main one, oh, what, what was she? Tokyo? No, it wasn't Tokyo. Uh, she had real dark hair. Yeah. Um, Oh, but darn it. I can't remember. Anyway, it's been too long. But, but she's in it. That sounds like time for a rewatch. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. All right. Anyway, what are you watching? Um, so the uh, finale of Doom Patrol had already aired. I don't even know how long ago, but I finally watched it. And it was a nice little send-off for a very quirky show that uh, sometimes tested uh, my patience, but oftentimes made me laugh. Uh, and it was always interesting in one way or another. Uh, they had a really nice uh, send-off for the last one. I thought it was really, really well done. I don't know if we've ever talked about Miracle Workers, the, the show, with you. I don't think so. Um, I, I can't remember the first time I saw it. Right now, seasons one through three are on max. Uh, there is a fourth season that just, I think, just finished or maybe is finishing or whatever, and that's it. Um, <clears throat> that's done by TBS, so I don't know how I'll be able to access. I'll have to figure out season four when we get to that point. But you know, Daniel Radcliffe is is in it. There's also a bunch of other uh, actors. Steve Buscemi's in it as well. Um, and each season is like a different, it's a completely different story, completely different characters, same actors, same cast, but doing different things. Um, and it's a, it's a nice little show. It's funny. The, the the same type of the Terry Pratchett type of humor maybe you see in like Good Omens and stuff like that but it's uh good stuff I'm not done season three just yet and now season three is taking place in the American West and but uh, they did have a scene with uh, Daniel Radcliffe um, kind of in drag doing a uh, singing she'll be coming around the mountain which was uh, pretty darn funny I thought so. Uh, last but not least I just have to mention I just this week I felt a little nostalgic so I went back. And watched the 2005 movie Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, um, which the the novels, the Douglas Adams novels, are some of my favorite books of all time. I could read them a thousand times and never get bored. Um, I know the movie; not everyone, the American one, didn't think it was that great. I don't think it's necessarily the greatest movie, but I just think it's it does a good job of presenting the book. And if you present a very long book that really doesn't have a plot in an hour and a half, I think they. They kind of nailed it. They did a good job. And, you know, most staff is in Zoe Deschanel, um, Sam Rockwell, um, just uh, Bill Nye. There, there's just really outstanding cast that uh, that makes it work. So that's it for me, man. All right. Uh, Nairobi. Nairobi, yes. Played by Alba Flores. Yes. She's- okay. All right. All right. Yeah, she's not like the main one, but but she's, yeah, definitely one of my favorite characters. Okay. Oh, Nairobi. Oh. She's, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now I think I have yeah. to go do money. I just rewatch. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. She's pretty kind of hot in this show. Anyway, uh, Ragnarok episode six, season three titled Ragnarok written as always by Emily, 
Emily Labesh Kay and Adam Price, directed by Mogens Hagedorn. The season was released August 24th, 2023. All right. So the uh, elephant in the room. Get, get it out there, Dave. So how do we feel about the It Was All in Magna's Head narrative device? Is this a complex coming-of-age tale or a monumental cop-out? I, 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 I'm leaning towards cop-out, I think. Okay. Now, did you get to see it twice? I did, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I, and I don't think it helped any. You know, well, the, it, the questions I had after watching the first time, I still had after watching the second time. Okay, it, it helped me a little bit to to be a little bit more accepting, but you know, I guess the second time around, what I did get more was how much of a relief this was for Manya to be moving on and to stop living through his, some fantasies. Right, but also I think it it drives home why these fantasies became necessary for him because of the traumatic events that he had to deal with not not the least of which is the death of his father which you know happens off screen you know and that's what kind of leads them back to Edda but then and obviously one of the questions is all right well what actually did happen yes. in this season and i think we have to um, you, you know, assume that uh, that it was all none of it was real. Well, no, I don't. You know, I, none I of mean, the god stuff. Anything, oh, well, yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, it's sold as death. Well, oh yeah, well that was real. Oh, right. So, so then that's yeah, a second death yeah. uh-huh. that he feels a certain level of responsibility for i mean i don't think he feels responsible for his father's death but he's he's coping with that and then he has to now deal with this but you get back to then and this is what helps me a little bit well obviously gods and giants don't exist and in so many shows you know the marvel universe for instance they do that right. that's part of the deal and we just you know uh, make that leap of faith and and suspend our disbelief so here once we learn that this was all this elaborate coping mechanism for magna well yeah it still feels like a bit of a cheat and a bit of a letdown but okay i i i get it well, it's just to go back and, you know, I mean, okay, like if you're like the Bob Newhart show and you're pulling it off as like your final scene of the last episode, or I guess it was, I'm sorry, Newhart, right? Um, the last sh- uh, scene of Newhart where he wakes up and he's in bed with his wife from the bo- the previous show and he's like, I had this weird dream. So like, okay, oh, all right, that's funny. All this. Yeah, but we, we know like – yeah, whatever. It wasn't like really a dream. Like that was just a, a funny little gimmicky end here. But this is like so central to the meaning of of the entire show. Like I have to really question like now, all right, you're telling me basically everything that's been happening for now three seasons, it's all BS. It's all just a, a, a fantasy in a high school kid's head. Like really? Now, now, do we consider at all the possibility of an alternate universe, or or no? That's not even. I don't. I don't a, think a thing. No. no I don't okay, think. I mean, certainly, this episode was visually impressive in terms of the apocalyptic sure. setting. Yeah, that was cool. And I, I like the nonlinear timeline presentation, but. I mean, again, I guess we have to go back, and I don't want to go event by event, but how deep is this fantasy world into which he retreats? I mean, you know, on the one hand, and and I know you've only seen the Buffy pilot, and in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you know, are the, the, the monsters real? Well, yeah, but we understand that they're metaphors for all of the obstacles that that young people face as as they approach adulthood and 
you know, you you mentioned in Magna's case the the relief that he feels once he graduates from high school, despite the fact that it it really was a struggle for him because, mm-hmm. you know, academically he has problems and, and, and we see him listening to the text rather than reading it. Right. So, so we know he has learning issues as well. well we've known that from the jump. Sure, exactly. Right. So I'm just saying, so the, the relief he must feel, you know, he comes out of the, the exam, I got a two and his mother's ecstatic. You passed, you graduated and he's happy. And, and I guess it's like a, like what we have for our evaluations, uh, uh, one, two, three, and four and uh-huh. two is passing. You don't get any more pay for a three or four. So, you know, right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, well, I, I think probably a three or four would be required to, I don't think he's going on to university. Uh, and he probably doesn't want to. Right. But, um, you know, I, I just wonder, should we look at this rather than a big cop-out as metaphors for the, the obstacles that he's faced? I mean, look, one of the things that, that really stands out is that his family is relatively poor and right there up on the hill is Udelheim and Udel Industries and, and, you know, this wealth that he can only imagine having. So, you know, you know, there's that aspect. Well, and also very like from the, from the very first episode with the sold, right? Like um, her anger at Udel Industries and her, you know, like she died I think, right? It was like some kind of protest, right? Like, she was well, on, no, she was paragliding. She was paragliding, right. And, and, but I, I think, but she was we, like, she was just causing a ruckus. So, right. right. But I think now that I recall, I, I believe Vidar had something to do with her death that, that her, her paragliding accident, I think she would have survived, but I think he, but was on the but, scene. I can't remember. Yeah. But that was Vidar and, Manya's head, right? Well, uh, that's what I'm okay. saying. How much do we trust of every? Like we've seen right. loads of things, uh, scenes that have taken place where Manya wasn't there, right? And it's people talking about gods and giants and everything like that. So, I guess I'm assuming all that stuff that's happening, even when he's not there, still part of his fantasy, right? And and we're just you know being let into that fantasy even though he's not there at the moment but i mean we agree is sold really lived and she really died and that yeah. eric really was her father and mm-hmm. you know we see the picture you know th- that magna's mother hangs at the house as she's you know hoping to create this blended family and it doesn't look like she's going to have any problems looks like everybody accepts everybody but Udall Industries, so so we do have to assume because, as you said, Isolde is really fighting against them, that they really are Edda's form of evil corp mm-hmm. at, at the beginning and throughout most of this episode. The other person that, that I'm wondering about is Signe, because we've been led to believe that the reason she breaks up with Magna is because he's having an affair with Saxa. Right. So once we get to the end, well, is that what I, I, did that actually sh- happen? Right. right. I, I see. Yeah. That's a leap. I'm not sure I'm willing to take because what would Saxa's motivation be to get in bed with Magna? Well, he's if he's a not big, strong, four. tall Norwegian blonde dude. Okay. A big I, beard. Like, I, okay. I imagine there's you know, more than one woman who'd want to, I don't, yeah, I don't, I, okay, I so he's a good looking guy. So, you know, I think maybe you, th- but, okay, you think, but I, I don't think, I don't think it actually happened though, but I think. Right. Know. So then why would Signe break up with him? And I think what we maybe should look at is that dude was probably acting really weird and really off you know kilter for much of their relationship and i maybe at the end 
she just had to walk away for her own sanity. Right. And that it wasn't him having an affair with Saxa that broke them up, but rather just his, you know, mistreatment of her, I guess, emotionally. And, and, you know, we get, he isn't a, a mean guy so that, you know, any mistreatment and I'm making air quotes was, was certainly not, I think intended on his part, but, Right, but you know, like how we saw, like the personality change he went through when he had Molnir. So you know, I that I assume what I assumed was that that drastic personality change, not for the better, manifested itself in in his actual reality. Right, that even though like the hammer's not real, I mean, again, he's going through this thing. He thinks it's real and everything. She had to hear him like muttering under his breath about like God, there's damn giants and everything. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, there wasn't so much weird stuff that she saw. Like, uh. right, and you know, the, we we get that scene at the end we, you know, when um, Magna's mom is you know giving that really beautiful speech at the dinner table about what it is she wants for her children. And she's like, and who would have ever thought you'd get a girlfriend? But you did. Like, <laughs> all right, thanks, mom. Yeah. But, but you know, when we look at, you know, the, the young women in his life, first there's Isolde. And do we get the sense that they were boyfriend, girlfriend, or just it was so early in their I, friendship? I think Isolde was not into dudes. Oh, okay. Correct. Oh, okay. You could be right because i yeah so so they were just friends at that point but you know for a guy like magna just even being around you know other females probably helped him you know kind of break the ice even if like you said she she's um, you know not into guys and then there's saxa well is she just the ultimate fantasy not only is she beautiful but she's wealthy and she's ultimately the head of you know the the, the company that that runs the town. Again, I just can't hang on to the fact that anything really happened between the two of them. Right. Well, and that's where this is problematic because it's not like they really set this up that we. Can, I don't think we could really go back through start at season one episode one and and go through all of it and say. Oh, okay. All right. Clearly here he's fantasizing. Oh, clearly because like, you know, was the, 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 the relationship with sex is just a key point. Was that real? Was he actually dating her? Did he actually burst into his own mother's wedding late with, with Saxa and toe and everything like, uh, you know, the, the mother was upset with him later for, and admonished him for how he acted. So, yeah, you know, that's did, a good point. You know, did that actually happen? But it, it's it's impossible to to tell really what actually happened and what didn't. I think I, someone I, I can remember it's Fred or Alan mentioned like Vidar, right? Like Vidar died, right? For sure, I, I Vidar, guess, right? But like I get you know probably not at Magna's hands, you know. So uh, it's just that that's it's I, I think that. I feel like this is just such a contrived ending and you can't reconcile the rest of the show with it unless you just say Manya basically imagined everything you saw over these 18 episodes. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I, 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 I know I sound like a broken record. I, I, I go back to Buffy again and while we didn't get the idea that, that, everything going on in her town with with vampires and monsters and her being uh you know uh, the vampire killer you know that that it wasn't just in her head you know we just accepted that was part of of this reality but really it was all about overcoming the obstacles that lead to adulthood so again i i guess i feel like for magna you know he's he's dealing with the death of his father 
He's already got issues anyway, so and, and we assume he probably had these issues before his father died, so that that complicates things a bit. So then he comes to Etta, and he makes friends with Isolde, and like I said before, I think that was probably an important step, even though there was never going to be anything romantically between the two of them, but then she dies. So it, it's no wonder that he retreats into this fantasy world but but what about Signe? because if sax is the ultimate fantasy relationship then Signe's the real relationship so which came first you know this sax of fantasy or his relationship with Signe? i don't know that there's an answer given yeah. the text as it is yeah yeah and i, I again not having gone, I don't even, I imagine Signe, I think she might have been in season two. Because I did watch the last episode of season two, and I feel like maybe she was in there. So I, I don't think she just appeared out of nowhere. But there was also, what was it, uh, Gree, right, was his love interest in the first season. Oh, right, right, right. Two. So about her. Yeah, so. Um, Gree, we hardly knew you. Yeah. <laughs> but But that's. That's a good question. It just again, that just comes back to the the basic point here. It's just like, you know, how much of this was in his head, and and how much of it wasn't. And right, and, and, and I mean, what happens that allows him, you know, at the end of the episode to now live in the real world? At least that's the way it appears. I mean, is it as simple as the graduation ceremony? Uh, does his mother's marriage to Eric, you know, a, a man that I think he respects and, and has a certain level of affection for, um, you, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, nothing else makes sense other than if we just say, ah, the writers probably, you know, sat around the writer's room doing whatever. And it's like, oh, let's do this. And then we're done with it. I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Well, I just, I, I just feel, I don't know. I just, I, I, I feel like they botched the ending. They didn't like it was. It, it, don't get me wrong. The end. It is nice to see Manya, and you're right. He throws out those comic books, and that's this symbol of letting go. But your brain doesn't necessarily work symbolically. And just because you throw out your comic books doesn't mean you're like not no longer gonna imagine stuff like schizophrenic stuff right right you know stuff that could be potentially dangerous he believed he was a hammer wielding god and who wanted to violently go out and take care of the other side so i don't know there's just so much there to, to unpack you know yeah not, not the least of which is like dude have you never heard of ebay I'm sure you could sell those comics yeah. on eBay. And right. That would, well, that was that, like, it's like, no, don't throw them out. Like, come on. You got to be able to sell this somehow, man. You get a and, couple bucks. And that was a nice wooden box, too, that he left by yeah, the Yeah, he just uh, leaves the wooden box here right by the side of the road. Like, whatever. Oh, well. Now, that opening scene where we get that little, you know, story about in Ragnarok, Thor meets the Midgard serpent, gets bitten. I guess Magna's bitten by fear to to a certain extent. Ooh, nice and, one, Dave. And and you know, at, at first I was thinking, well, he's bitten by love, and and that you know the the man that he loved and and loved him goes and dies on him, and then you know the, this girl that he meets and has a, a relationship, well, she she dies and leaves. Not that he was in love with this older, you know, vice versa, but I, you know, I, I think their friendship was, was certainly headed in the right direction. But I think more, I, I, you think about it, it's just that fear. And, you know, again, you, you've been teaching a long time. I taught a long time and it starts to not be surprising when you hear about these kids that are like, our top students and then they get to college and they just bomb out and and it's almost like you know that that the the fear of this next step is is almost too much for them when they're on their own yeah to what's to a certain extent either that or their parents were doing all their homework well right right (laughs) so i so you know i don't know but 
but it, you know, early on, you know, we we get that voiceover, and there <clears throat> were a lot of voiceovers in this episode. Yes, I will there's, say there sure were. But we learn that everybody's happy, things are great, and what's that? God, what's that movie? Uh, it starts out in black and white, and then it turns to color. And I'm not talking oh, about Wizard of Oz. Um, yeah, but it, yeah. But, uh, uh, darn it. With like Tobey Maguire, right? And and is it Reese Witherspoon in that? Maybe? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Okay. But Pleasantville. But, Pleasantville, exactly. So yeah, I mean, it's movie. almost got that kind of vibe. Sax is in charge, and she initiates a new green policy. Fjord's with his secretary. Ah, Sax is better at this stuff than I am anyway. Let's stay in bed. What? Well, think she wants to stay in bed but anyway you know everything's happier ron again it never gets old when she meets the counselor (laughs) everything's changed for the better and we're thinking like dude what the f is wrong with you could she be sending any more signals just ask her the hell out yeah but i mean he's gotta look at her and look at himself and say you know I guess, but like, you know, I think she what sees world past do, that. Do I think I have a, a shot at this. At this one, plus how unprofessional it's like. No, I'm going there yet, but but yeah, no. I mean, we get a feeling that those two are gonna probably, you know, the next fantasy they'll get together or something. They're probably <laughs> actually reality. Well, you know, so everything starts happening at graduation day, and, and you know, Magna apologizes to Signe and tells her he he wants her back, and 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 again, you know, the poor girl is reluctant to get hurt again. Another tip off that something's not quite right is when Ron gives an actual appropriate welcome. to everybody at the graduation ceremony and fred you can probably you know uh chime in on this i i guess that's the way things are done in in the states here it's a much more formal setting with the caps and gowns and and everything matches and you know the kids are not sitting with the parents everything's you know so so it's a different vibe for sure well it's a very small school too well well, well, it is but I, I gotta believe that that you know in our world, Glenelg Country School probably has a graduation class of fifty or so. And I gotta believe they're probably doing it that. But who knows? But anyway, she gives you know a, a very nice speech to welcome everybody. But it's clear Magna has a bad feeling. The camera goes to the track, and we see a menacing hode there. And I want to shoot. Well, why don't you try? I want to shoot. Like, okay, you know what? I just said, don't ever say you can't do something because of, you know, your your physical situation. Yeah, okay, here's the bow. And well, he wants to use the arrow. (laughs) So actually, he's not fine. I think we established that, that uh, he's not going to be okay. But But again, now, like, I mean, I guess we should have probably sniffed this out when Ron hits a kid in the eye with an arrow and, you know, it was like, and we see him, the arrow sticking out of his eye and, uh, Yvonne just says, Oh yeah, he's going to be okay. It's only a flesh wound. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that probably in retrospect, that might've been uh, kind of a, a warning sign that we were not dealing with reality right here. Right. And then, you know, but still at, at this point, he, he draws the arrow. He's, losing his balance he lets it fly and it it goes through the window hits yens in the chest and we've been expecting that all along because that's what has been predestined right that 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 we know from you know the sagas that's what happens here so it doesn't come as that big a surprise and when no well in fact our knowledge makes it much more tense than it probably would be otherwise right sure right right and magna looks around horrified and everybody's just kind of clapping and laughing (laughs) right and we're like ah okay so this is the point where we realize yeah this is in his head and then you know 
he, then it's like the the, the flash backs and and forwards and, and you know an army of giants was marching on asgard its commander was none other than the traitor loki and we've kind of been waiting for Lawrence to do something even more nefarious than you know when he paired up uh you know with the his giant family and, and all that and, and then it goes back to that so are we to believe that he's really Magna's half brother, and that Vidar did have an affair who, with who, Turin. Who knows? Yeah. Right? But then we get a lot of these parallel. You know, the rose becomes you know I, I, I think symbolic of. I'm not sure exactly what you know. I I, I think in Magna's mind, the, the the rose represents part of the the graduation ceremony, obviously. But but you know, handing somebody the rose and then you know, uh, Saxa uh, spears Harry, um, and, right. and and they 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 do that over and over again. And and I, I think really with, with really positive success. Yeah, that was um, that was good. That interplay of the what we now understand as reality and what we now understand as fantasy and those in play. And I think those like, yeah, that's probably the, the part that's done the best where she like kind of throws the rose jokingly, but in his fantasy, you know, it's, she's throwing a spear and killing Harry with it. Right. And, and then his name is called and he's handed the rose. And of course he flashes to holding the hammer. Um, now, okay. I, again, I, I loved when Iman takes the arrow meant for magna are we to believe that she really is this big uh, social media influencer or is that just in magna's head as well again yeah okay who knows right right did harry lose his arm Uh, who okay yeah i got gotcha but there were some really because he's at he's at the table at the end there i i think he's he's got a prosthetic hand Okay. At the table, but again, right. you know, just you know, Manya is just taking things that are happening in the world and playing them out in his in his mind in, in his fantasy. Well, did they break into Udal Industries because that's how Harry loses his his arm, as I recall? Yeah, like, uh-huh. gets oh, caught yeah. in a door yeah. or something, right? Yeah. Well, they, uh, I think Fewer smashes it. Oh, okay, right, right, right. In the door, but yes, but no, I don't think they ever broke into Udal Industries. Okay, I don't think. Okay. Of course, they were just going in there to hang up a protest banner, right? So yeah, um, but but the whole battle sequences, I, I just thought were really well done, fantasy or not. I, I just really love the way we went. We go back and forth between reality and fantasy, and, and again, something we notice immediately is that everybody's wearing the same clothes in the battle sequences that they're wearing to graduation. And at first, you you think, no, nah, it looks like Sax is wearing some sort of a warrior outfit. But no, that's what she was wearing, I think, in the at the graduation. But um, Iman takes that arrow, and then Magna throws the hammer. And at first, we're thinking, like, damn, you missed Fior. Nope, calls the hammer back. Boom, right in the back of the head, and. You know, we get a little bit of gore in this episode. We see some blood flying out of uh, Fjord's head. And then Iman's not quite dead. <laughs> so I'm not dead yet. Yeah. So she gets uh, Saxa with the arrow. Happy. But, you know, I mean, certainly we're certain at this point that it's all been in Magnus' head. And, and again, I mean, how much, you know, we could talk for quite a while. But speaking of talking, then then he has that that confrontation with Signy, who asks him, "Can we talk?" And you know, I mentioned about Magna being bitten by fear, and and she tells him that she's scared. And and look, we we don't know a whole lot about her family. I mean, I don't think her family's her her, her father. Oh no, no, I'm sorry. It was Gree's father that yeah. was that was ill from. Uh-huh. He'd probably being poisoned by the water or, or working for Util Industries or, or whatever it was. Um, but she tells him she's scared. She, look, she's 
ready to take that next step as well. And and we we know academically she's going to be able to take a step that Magna's got, not going to be able to take. We see that she got this essay published in the paper, and which you know we, we certainly sense is a pretty big deal. She knows he's been traumatized by something that's caused a break from reality. So I go back to what I was saying a, a few minutes ago. I think what broke them up was just she couldn't deal with all of the baggage that that he was bringing to their relationship. And, and they're 17. You understand. Yeah. But but it looks like, you know, the two of them are going to give it another go. And look, again, they're 17. We're not expecting they're going to get back together and get married. I mean, you know, who knows? <laughs> She's right. like, I don't expect you to get down on one knee. And then in his fantasy, uh, I forget what it is. Does somebody hit him or something? Well, no, he gets, he kills the serpent. But um, when he turns around, like one of its teeth gashes him. Oh, right. In the shoulder. And in reality, he actually grabs his shoulder. But right. again, then again, reality, I don't know how much can we say of that. But he actually does grab his shoulder in front of Signe, uh, takes the nine awkward, very slow steps, uh, falls to his knees. But instead of dying, in, in a way, Thor does die, right? He's. He's killing off this this fantasy that's been impeding him and getting in his way of being able to have, you know, if nothing else, be able to have a relationship with Signe. Yeah, I mean, it's not, I think, a true multiple personality. He doesn't walk around and, and talk to people as if he's Thor, but in well, his does, mind. Does he not? I well, don't know, right? Yeah, we don't, right, we don't know, right? That That might be what you know, sends it over, but, but he falls to his knees and we're thinking like, uh, all right, she's thinking like, uh, is he joking here? Is he kidding? But, but I think she could see on his face that, you know, whatever it is, it's like, Hey, I'm willing to get down on my knees if you'll, you know, give me another chance. And of course she says, look, as long as you try, you know, we can make a go of it. And then the final scene, what'd you think of the final scene? You know, Magna's looking up at Udelheim as he throws the comics in the bin. He, he, he has that smile on his face, almost as if, you know, I'm leaving my childhood behind and I'm ready to take the next step. And we're thinking like, All right, where the hell is he walking to? Is that just going to be the end of it? We see him disappear in the distance. So what'd you think about the way they ended it? Well, for the one thing I did like was Udelheim changes, right? He looks up first and it looks like some kind of like medieval castle almost. He throws out the comics and he looks up again and it's still a effing big house, but it's a normal modern looking house. You know, right. It's not the, the castle from before. Again, that's our indicator that he is letting go of all these crazy fantasy stuff and everything. You mean they don't have meat on tap? Yeah, you know, I probably not, but maybe. Yeah, I guess now the thing about the mead thing was another indicator. Maybe <laughs> we weren't quite dealing with reality here, but you know, he he's the we though we see him heading down the road by himself. He does the the final final scene right. He's meeting everyone else out at uh, for drinks or whatever, right? Right, right. And yeah. it's the whole crew together. That's like another like so. What what is his connection then to like Wotan and Harry and, and Iman? Well, I guess Iman went to their school, right? She's another student there. Because this whole group is Signe, Harry, Jens, Lawrence, Fjord, Kiwi, Saxa, Iman, and Wotan. They're all hanging out together at the end. It's like, how, what do these people have in common? You know, like, well, what? Well, now you you said it a few minutes ago. It's it's clearly a small school. So still, um, you know, why would Saxa be hanging out with this group? Well, you know, Udall Industries has changed under her leadership. And, you know, maybe they've accepted her at this point. It's interesting that we go around the table and we see, oh, uh, Isolde sitting with Saxa. Oh, maybe she didn't die after all. And then, of course, yeah. she disappears. And it, it, again, then we're led to think, well, 
maybe he's not quite ready. Yeah. <laughs> to give up the fantasy. Well, especially says like something like, oh, it's like I'll always be with you or something, which could be nice on the one hand, but yeah. also could mean he's not going to stop being a little detached from reality anytime soon. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I like that, that end scene because we get the idea that on one level, Magna could easily retreat into his bedroom and his computer and uh, granted he threw the comics away, but, but, you know, there are other, you know, rabbit holes into which he could descend. So, uh, what else haven't we talked about? Oh, the uh, cover version of, I want to know what love is at the end there. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. It'd been better if they had the original foreigner version, but yeah, they didn't want to pay for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I don't I don't really think I, I have anything except for, you know, like it seems like everyone's gonna be okay. You know. Yeah. Yeah. In, in the end. And and you know, Lawrence is no longer angry at the world, he's found love. Edda is now this earthly paradise, and Manya is apparently gonna stop imagining he's Thor. All right, you wanna get the listener feedback? Sure. All right, we will be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Ragnarok Season 3, Episode 6. The season finale and the series finale. It was a teasing and interesting series. Every week I really wanted to know how it would go on. It was an interesting mingling of modern-aged life of young people, not only young people, and North mythology. And that all ended with this episode. So it's not an interesting combination anymore, but it's just the fantasy of a young boy. I already saw that coming as soon as these Thor comic books were found in a box under his bed or wherever. And I was already Terribly spoiled by somebody on Twitter who wrote, yeah, it's an interesting series. It's just a pity that it was all a dream. I also reacted to that with, thank you very much. Because that's, of course, not nice to know if you still have two episodes or three to go. Okay, that was just the first reaction. Coming back to last week's podcast first. As I last week told that I was going to visit my father-in-law because of his birthday... And then I told you that my wife's mother as well as he were both born in 1943 and I was expecting actually in the Second World War a kind of mini baby boom in the mid of the war because it then was better in Germany after the crisis, the, the economic crisis of the 30s. It was going better and better in Germany because of the war industry partly. But actually I talked about it with my father-in-law who also was a history teacher and we looked some things up and actually the birth rate was not higher. In a town as Berlin the birth rate was even 58% lower. What we did forget is that a lot of male Germans were not at home at all and well, although they got leave etc they were stationed everywhere in Europe and it was not that well going in Germany at all. And what we shouldn't forget, that a lot of women worked in that war industry, so no time for children. So my assumption was a little wrong. Then the other thing you talked about in the last podcast is about your poll and doing bodies as a miniseries, not spoiler-free. So that miniseries has eight episodes and you're going to do it per episode, but still talking about... Well, the whole miniseries, uh, I think it's a great idea because I watched the whole series. But on the other hand, one of the things I love about Sci-Fi TV Rewatch is that it is mainly spoiler-free. I would have been very, very unhappy if, for instance, Fringe or Dollhouse or Foundation that dropped at once, because we also have the, the dropped at once series, if the podcast would be full of spoilers. Okay, a spoiler zone is good. I then often also didn't listen, of course, to the spoiler zone, but uh, a spoiler-full podcast, well, I think I couldn't contribute if most of your podcasts were not spoiler-free. So for this time, it's a nice out-of-the-box idea, but I really urge you not to change this uh, policy. 
But on the other hand, as Wayne said last podcast, it's your party and you can cry if you want to. But I can assure you, I surely will cry if you change this. Okay, two minutes left for the end of this series. Well, that's not much of a problem. I can be brief. I was very disappointed that it was all in Magda's mind. Of course, for the makers, this makes it much easier to resolve everything that happened here. But I would have liked another ending. Big question, of course, which things are in the real world? For instance, Vidar. Vidar died in the whole battle between Magna and Vidar. But did Vidar Util, as a real person, who is also Lorit's father, really died? Or is this also just in Magna's imagination? And why did a relatively young guy as Vidar die then? We didn't see any pregnancy in Saxa. Not in Magna's mind and not in the real world. Well, in the real world he probably didn't hook up with her at all. It's all just fantasy. I think I will give the whole series an A- and this last episode a... Well, the way it was made it was okay, so it could earn a B plus or something. But yeah, the disappointment also counts, so... Then I would go to a B- minus or something like that for this episode. Okay, last podcast. You made a poll and you said something about the U.S. elections. When the next election, oh my God, I don't yeah, even want to go. Democracy works if you participate. Wow, yeah. Although, you look what happened in Argentina. So, pretty yeah. darn frightening. So yeah, uh, that's, that's a mess. We just had this week the Dutch elections and we had 26 parties to choose from. The whole country was flabbergasted that actually a populistic right-wing party won in the sense of being the biggest. But since we have a multi-party system, he has to form a government with others. That will be a very difficult one. And I really wonder where this goes. I mean, this guy or the leader of that party is against the European Union, against supporting Ukraine, against immigration, against protecting the environment, etc., etc., so, I'm quite worried where this world will go. Okay, this will be all for Ragnarok. Uh, not true. Next will be another Ragnarok. Greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. Hello to everyone at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Alan from England here. Mostly with feedback about the final uh, episode of Ragnarok. Uh, called Ragnarok. So good, they named it twice. What else I'm watching? I am now up to episode 29 of 30 of Three Body. So I'll soon be at the conclusion. I wonder if they're going to stop exactly where the first book finishes. I wonder if they're going to do books two and three. I have to say that parts of books two and three are so mind-bending. I don't even know how you could portray that on the screen. But who can say? I would have seen the final episode, but of course I had to prioritise... Doctor Who. David Tennant is back as Doctor Who, if only temporarily, as is Catherine Tate as Donna. Fabulous episode, lots of action, running about. The exchanges between the Doctor and Donna were as good as ever. Real classic stuff. Lots of twists and turns in various unexpected ways and generally thoroughly enjoyable. Looking forward to the next two episodes. Ragnarok. Iman's influencing, Harry's inspiring, Fior even looks happy, at least for now, Sax is definitely happy to be back in charge of the company, even Rand's no longer drinking wine at nine o'clock in the morning, only the councillor isn't having any luck at all. Magna's not completely happy, he's missing Signy and then having visions. But as Freddie Mercury wrote, is this his real life? Or is it just fantasy? That speech from Turid at the celebration dinner made it seem like she was the oblivious one to everything that had been going on when she said it was all in his head. But then as it, various events unfold, I wasn't quite sure if what he was seeing was like the alternative timeline about what would have happened or did happen in various cycles in mythology or whether the whole thing was now supposed to be just in his mind, and it was all going to have been a dream. I really wasn't sure if Jens had actually been hit by that arrow, 
but then nobody else seemed to notice. And so gradually it appeared that that wasn't the, re the real case at all, and it was just more of a kind of vision or alternative state. I really enjoyed the links between the vision state and reality, like Saxa's throne rose then became a throne javelin, and Wotan's spear was then his walking stick. And then Magnus' final steps in the battle as he sank to his knees was then in reality before Signy. And that was all very nicely done. So whether it was supposed to be a different parallel reality or imagination, it seemed like either way Magna finally got to let go of it, as indeed he did of Mjolnir, or Mjolnir did let go of him. So the question last week of would the gods and giants fight and die, or would the peace continue, was, yes, both. So it was a Schrodinger's Ragnarok. Now, did you notice that just as Magna is about to throw away those Thor comics, he looks up at the giant's house, as imposing and lofty as it ever was, but then after he throws the comics away and finally lets go, it's just a large but very normal-looking house. So had it always been normal, or have things been changed, or only in his perception? That was a bit mysterious. Either way, his smile after letting go was really great. Open, refreshing, and he was walking down the road looking ready to face the adventures of a normal life. The happy gathering was a nice touch too, and I thought at first Saxa had bought a female friend before realising it was the force ghost of Isolde. Pretty good wrapping up of a series, I thought. Take care. Alan from England. All right. Uh, Fred points out that he was spoiled, I guess, about the ending. Uh, Fred, you got to stay off uh, Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, for me, spoilers on Twitter weren't the reason I left, you know, that social media. Well, it's site. called X now, Dave. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> I X'd it out. But Fred, yeah, that really sucks that that you had the ending spoiled. But you know, that's kind of the world we live in. And my wife and I say this all the time. Uh, we're watching a show, and let's say it's in season two, and it's not on Netflix, so that we know that there's a possibility there'll be a season three. And then you know we search for it, and we, you know, we get a spoiler for season two. So now right. we've learned don't search for season three until you finish season two exactly and don't look at the imdb the imdb page until yep. you're done the series too there's so much stuff sometimes people put stuff like the really insidious stuff is when they put spoilers like in the titles you know like ragnar i can't believe it was all in manya's head you know like you can't even unsee that you right. don't even have a choice of whether to click on that article or not or to have a warning at the Begin. It says spoilers. If you haven't seen it, don't read any further. Yeah. You know, some of the and that's just I, I find that just hateful. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it really is. I, I mean, there there's so many websites out there these days, and and you know, I I worked for Den of Geek for for a number of years, and that was something that that a reader called me on that you know i i wrote the sub headline and i i guess i just didn't think what it was actually saying which was a spoiler and on the one hand i was justifying it in my fantasy world that right <laughs> well what the hell are you looking at the story anyway if you haven't finished you know but whatever but but yeah so then i became certainly more conscious of doing that but you know in some in so many cases it's just flat out clickbait but, uh, you know, Fred, uh, obviously, as we said, determining what's real and what's not is, is somewhat problematic. But I, I guess on the other hand, for me, you know, talking about it with you and thinking about it after I'd seen it for a second time, I was kind of, you know, somewhat enjoyable. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's still the, as you said, the cop out. I mean, look, first of all, I don't know if you were a Dallas fan, not the Cowboys, the uh show of the uh early to mid 80s yeah, i uh, was i was too young my mom wouldn't let me stay up that late to watch uh, it okay so so they one of the main characters became embroiled in a contract dispute and the show just said yeah well f you you're you know we're gonna kill you so they killed his character 
well, I guess in between seasons, they, you know, made nice with each other. So then first episode of the next season, he's in the shower with his wife and it's like, oh, it's just a dream. It's like, (laughs) are you kidding me? Uh, The famous Bobby Ewing dream sequence. So, you know, it wasn't as bad as that. And then Fred, yeah, I did read about the Dutch election and, you know, at least in the Netherlands, you've got so many parties that somebody can't necessarily run roughshod over your constitution or whatever it is you have there. But anything about Fred's? Yeah, I think we, you know, we talked about, we don't, we're certainly not changing policy for the show. We just, this is what we wanted to do this one time, you know, will we do it again? Maybe, I don't know, but probably as we said at the beginning, you know, we're probably going to lean more towards spoiler free stuff. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. So, um, and then Alan, uh, you know, brings up the visual parallels with the characters in the present. You know, you mentioned Saxa, you know, throwing the rose, and then we get to the battlefield, and she's throwing the spear. So, yeah, all that was really cool. And then, okay, he brings up Ron and the uh, counselor. And yeah. again, now you said, why would he think he's in her league? And uh, okay, I get all that, but uh, only yeah. only in TV could this I guy guess. have a shot with someone that beautiful. I, I yeah. guess. Yeah. So, um, I like this Schrodinger's Ragnarok. Oh that's yes, nice. that was excellent. Was very, yes, and I think that's it. All right, um, Fred, Alan, thank you so much for your feedback throughout uh, season three of Ragnarok. Uh, what are you giving for a grade here? So I originally gave it a C plus. Okay. I think you talked me up. I'm going to give it a B minus. Okay. Just because, again, I just feel it was just such a cop-out that really just leaves us with, again, I don't mind ambiguity. I don't mind the fact that now we're questioning what was any of this real. But I think it's just such a, just out of nowhere that that I, I, don't, I really don't feel that they set it up before, you know, and it just kind of threw it in at the end. Maybe that was their plan all along. But I don't know. I didn't. I didn't really care for it. Yeah. See, I'd really feel like I had to go back and rewatch seasons one and two to see if there's really anything there that would justify this ending. I. I, I mean, I, I'm going B plus. I. I thought there were things there, especially the the visual elements of the battlefield sequences and the way they jump between the graduation ceremony and, and, and the actual battle and, 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 you know, the whole thing that for so many students just getting through four years of high school is a battle. Sure. So, you know, so, so, so I, I appreciated that stuff, but I definitely understand what, what you're saying. And, and that was kind of <laughs> when I first messaged you about uh, how, how we would go ahead and start the discussion and I was going to throw it your way and like, and you're almost like, well, what the F do you think I think? <laughs> um, so w- what about a series grade? If you were given the overall series to kind of put you on the spot here. I would I would maybe give it an A minus, I think, okay. for the series. I still think just because they didn't stick the landing does not take away from the overall quality of it. I think probably season three was probably my least favorite of the three. I still think overall pretty pretty good series. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go B plus, but I think in you know more thinking about it, I I might go A minus. I mean, you really like virtually every character in the series. Right. I mean, even when we see the giants as evil, they're still compelling characters. Absolutely. Yeah. And and certainly we we bond with Magna and you know we find out you know the 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 story about Lawrence and and you know the the fact that you know he is you know only Magna's half brother and and you know him trying to you know integrate into the giant family and you know so so I, I, there was a lot to like I, I I certainly think in this series yeah, but for sure uh, all right. Uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here? No, I think I'm good. All right. Well, listen, hope you enjoyed our three-season discussion of Ragnarok. That'll do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. 
Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about the show. I'm sure you'll post in the Facebook group. Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us. We'll be back next week to talk about the Marvel movie Thor Ragnarok. But until then. So, Dave, next week we're going to talk about Thor Ragnarok. But after that, we have to let go of all that childish stuff and grow up. Nah. <laughs> yeah, never. Will not happen. 